Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Legalism is alive and well in the church today, have you noticed? Well, always you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do this, you're going to hell. And if you do that, you're going to hell. And you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. One sister came to me last week. And she was telling me that she just came from a church that told her that if she danced, she was going to hell. And she said, Pastor Rodney, can Christians dance? I said, well, some can and some can't. I mean, I, I personally can. I mean, y- oh, you don't want me to get going now. Oh, well, some can and some can. I mean, what do you want me to tell you here? You're not going to go to hell if you dance. Now, th- now, now, granted, okay, for some of you skeptics, it, yes, there are some types of dancing that I would not recommend. Say amen. You know what I'm talking about, all right? But the legalism in the church today and the oppression that people put on people and telling them that they're going to go to hell if you do this, you're going to go to hell if you do that. How about instead of telling people what they can't do, why don't you tell them what they can do? You can love God. You can serve God. You can allow the spirit of God to work in a person and allow God to change their life. I have seen it happen a hundred times. We don't have time to go over it today where God has people have come in and I may see a certain thing. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You don't need to say anything about that. You keep teaching the word of God and you watch the word of God go to work and he can change you better than Rodney can. And he does. I have seen it time and time and time again where the spirit of God has worked through the word of God to change the hearts of God's people. And I don't have to be the bad guy. Let the Holy Spirit be the bad guy. You see, the Holy Spirit to be the bad guy. Don't do this and don't do that. And do this and do that. And you find yourself not all caught up in pharisaical legalism, but you find yourself not walking in law, but walking in love. <gasps> what a novel idea. You mean I can really love God and serve God and do what he wants me to do because I love him? Cause I, not because I have to. How about this? <laughs> Because I get to. That's different. And that's why Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees. It wasn't because he didn't like their long flowing robes. It wasn't because of what they did outwardly. It's what they did to God's people. In putting them under yokes of bondage by which they themselves could not even bear. You can't even do the things that you're requiring me to do. 
Has the church been guilty? Absolutely. And it's wrong. I'm not afraid to preach grace. Man, you can't preach grace. Because, I mean, if you preach about grace now and you keep telling people that they're free, they're going to go out and send it up. I'm like, no, they're not. No, Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Perish the thought. God forbid that we understand grace and we go out there and we sin because that would only be proof that you really don't understand grace. Because if you understand grace, now you understand that you have the freedom not to sin. You don't have to sin because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. I don't have to sin. I don't have to go out and sin. Now I can say no to sin and yes to God. And then he gives me power. He works in me, for it is him who wills to to work in me and through me. You see? God wants to work in you. God wants to work through you. Not like the legalism of the Pharisees. Jesus says, don't swear by the heavens or the earth, by the hair on your head. Don't swear by God or swear with your hand on the Bible because none of that matters. Just simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep your word and live your life in such a way that people will see truthfulness and honesty and people will take you at your word and they'll believe you. So don't swear. There's no need for that. Well, then notice in verse 38, he goes on to talk about an eye for an eye. Look at verse 38. If you're there, say amen. Oh, that was weak, you guys. Say amen. Amen. Much better. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, I have to admit, I haven't gotten to this level of spirituality yet. Because if you slap me, I don't know what's going to happen. Something might just come over me. I might have to lay hands on you suddenly. I didn't, you know, pray for your healing. Well, that's what he says. This is hard stuff. Look, if you came for a feel-good sermon, it ain't going to happen, okay? This is hard stuff here, all right? And in verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you, I told you this is tough. And take away your tunic, your clothes. Let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus is quoting, if you're taking notes, from Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, where it says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, we all know the Declaration of Independence. And it says that all men have certain inalienable rights. That we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have the right. Have you noticed we, are, we, we live in a, a rights-driven, a rights-crazy society? We have civil rights, women's rights, workers' rights, children's rights, prisoners' rights, gay rights, animal rights. I was telling them first service, I read of a story here recently where this woman, she was, she was posing a lawsuit against the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus because she felt that 
They were violating animals' rights because they were having the elephants walk around on their hind legs. I'm like, lady, get a life. Come on. Leave Ringling Brothers alone. They were a blessing to me when I was a child. Leave them alone. Everyone insisting on their rights. This right thing has gone a little too far. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, listen, fellas, you're going to have to surrender your rights and practice sacrificial love toward each other. Even people who would take advantage of us, even people who are considered evil, we should deny our rights. Now, this teaching is shocking because in effect, Jesus is saying you have no rights. And can I say to you as a Christian, we don't have any rights. Johnny, we don't have any rights. We don't have rights. If you're a Christian and you're born again and your life is hid with Christ, you've made a decision to follow him as your Lord and your Savior. Not only your Savior, but also your Lord. There's a difference and there's a whole sermon right there. Not only your Savior, but your Lord. Now, if you made a decision to follow him, then you don't have rights anymore. Your life belongs to him. Now, he tells you what to do. He tells you where to go. He is controlling, supposed to be controlling your life. And that's what he's saying to his disciples. He's saying, listen, you're going to be a disciple? Yeah. You going to follow me? Yeah. You going to do what I tell you to do? Yeah. Well, then you got to give up your rights. My rights? Yeah. And you have no rights. Notice in verse 38, he says you have no right to retaliate. In verse 40, you have no right to your possessions. In verse 41, you have no right to your time. In verse 42, you have no right to your money. To put it another way, you have no right to your dignity, your security, your liberty, or your property. You have no rights. Now, as I mentioned before, Jesus is quoting from Exodus twenty-one twenty-four, and it says this. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. Notice it doesn't say if your eye is knocked out, then knock out someone else's eye. Notice it doesn't say if your teeth is knocked out or your tooth is knocked out, then knock out someone's tooth. It doesn't say that. And yet in our culture, we've built the whole mentality on an eye for an eye in the political arena. When in fact, the Bible says if you knock out someone's eye or knock out someone's tooth and put out someone's eye, what should you do? Let them go free. It says, let them go free. Now, this law wasn't given so that if someone punches you, you have the right to punch them back. Absolutely not. This is what the Pharisees taught. This is what I mean when I say that that they perverted it. It wasn't saying somebody punches you, punch them back. This law was given for basically three reasons. Number one, the law was given to prevent excessive vengeance and retaliation. The punishment should fit the crime. 
not exceed the crime. Number two, this law was given to prevent private people from taking personal advantage. In other words, this law was given so that people wouldn't go out and start taking the law in their own hands. It was used in the court, in the civil court, so that people wouldn't start taking each other's eye out. Well, you took my eye out, I'm taking your eye out. If the world functioned, I actually literally function on this principle of you took my eye, I'm going to take your eye out, the whole world would be like the Hatfields and McCoys. Well, you shot my paw, now I'm going to shoot your paw and your ma and your aunties and your uncles and your kids, your goats and your chickens. You see, this law was used to prevent personal personal revenge. Thirdly, this law was never intended to be carried out literally. If a servant had their tooth knocked out, the servant was to be set free. You know what this was like? This was like workman's comp. It's like workman's comp. Look, if you knock out a servant's eye, how much servant you going to get out of him? He's got one eye. It just makes sense. If you knock out his tooth, I mean, how much servant you going to get out of him? So that's why the scripture says, not go take his eye out. <laughs> the scripture says, set him free. Give him workman's comp. Set him free. Now, doesn't this, we find it consistent with the scriptures that says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. See, God says vengeance is mine. We're not to take vengeance ourselves. Notice in verse 39 in your Bibles, Jesus says, You have heard it been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. There are some people who have taken this verse literally and said that we shouldn't have any police department. Because we're to resist not evil. Some people do that. You see, Jesus is simply saying, our attitude towards evil should not be one of revenge or hatred. You should love the sinner and hate the sin. Basically, that's what he's saying. You see, there's a tendency to hate the person and want to get back at them. So love the sinner, hate the sin. We've got examples in the Bible. Joseph. Man, Joseph could have got his brother's back. Big time. But he didn't. As a matter of fact, instead of getting revenge, what did he do? He blessed them. He didn't blast them. He blessed them. Who can forget Jesus? Platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They punched him in the face. They spit on him, which is the most gross thing anybody could ever do to anybody. And they spit on him and they ripped out his beard, which is awfully painful. And they beat him and they mocked him and they crucified him, hung him on a tree. And the Bible says he was a just man. And when he was reviled... He did not revile again. And Jesus is not teaching us something that he doesn't do himself. You see, he didn't get revenge. He loved people. And he had mercy on people. Now, in this closing section, Jesus moves actually into four illustrations or principles of having an attitude of not taking vengeance or retaliation. Jesus gives four little vignettes, if you will, or stories that are applicable to life. Notice he says, first of all, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek to him also. Now, does this mean that if someone knocks you upside the head, 
the right side of the head, you should give them the left and go, oh, that was so sweet. Go ahead. Do it again. Is that what that means? Absolutely not. You know, I read a story of a guy who was taking advantage of a Christian because he knew this principle of turning the other cheek. And so he went up to the Christian and he just punched him in the right jaw and he knocked him down. Well, the Christian got up and dusted himself off and he went over to the guy and bam, he hit the guy in the face and he knocked the guy down. And the non-Christian, he got up and he said, hey, man, what's up with that? I mean, I thought you Christians had this law of turn the other cheek. And he said, yeah, we also have the doctrine of laying on of hands. (laughs) Amen, bro. I don't know. You see, no, he's not saying if someone knocks you upside the head on the right side, then give them your left also. Actually, in the Middle East, by the way, this was an incredible insult. To take your right hand, to hit someone's right face, right side of their face, would literally mean you would backhand them. You'd go, in that fashion. In the Middle East, that was an incredible insult. You never hit anyone with your right hand. It was equivalent to spitting on someone in our culture. And Jesus says, don't revenge yourself, even if they take their right hand and slap you on the right side of your face and insult you in the worst. Notice in verse 40, if any man sue you and take away your clothes, then give him the shirt off your back. In other words, don't fight against him. Don't resist him. Now, that's a hard one in our culture because people are so crazy. I mean, you know, I I think sometimes when I'm driving... I think people drive real crazy because they're trying to get me to hit them. Don't you? I think sometimes because insurance, let's get some insurance money. I mean, some people do crazy things on the freeway. And it's like, what are you trying to do? Get me to hit you in the rear so I can be wrong and you can make money? People are so crazy. People will take you to court for anything. This is a hard principle. And let me just say to you, I don't know that I completely understand it. All I do know is Jesus said, if someone takes you to court and sues you, then just give them what they're asking for. That's tough. Very tough. Notice in verse 41 in your Bible, Jesus says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, understand something. Give me your attention. Look, in the, uh, the Romans, in those days, they had the right, there was a law on their books, if a Roman walked up to you and tapped you with his sword on your shoulder, he could compel you, you had to, by law, carry his burden, carry his armor, carry his luggage, carry his stuff. All he had to do was walk up to you and tap you on the shoulder and you were compelled to carry it for up to one mile. You remember Jesus? You remember Simon, the Cyrenian? He walked up to Jesus and he he walked up to the Roman, walked up to Simon and made Simon carry Jesus' cross. Remember that? He had to carry it for up to one mile, not to exceed one mile. Notice what Jesus says, a pretty radical principle here. He says, hey, don't just carry it one mile. If you're a Christian, you love me, you're a disciple, good, carry it two miles. Why? Because at the end of two miles, then you get to tell them about my love. Then you get to show them what true Christian character and conduct really is. So that's where we get the expression, go the extra mile. That's where we get that from. Jesus says, don't just carry it one mile. He says, 
carry it two miles. Carry it two miles. And then in verse 42, in closing, notice he says, give to him that ask. Give to him that ask. Now, if you take this verse literally, without its context, then you can get anything from any Christian. I could say, hey, give me your BMW. Because according to Matthew 5.42, I'm asking. Now, give it up. You see? No. I don't give to people just because they ask. I think there must be some wisdom, there must be some prayer, and there must be some leading of the Holy Spirit. If you have something and it's in your possession and it's in your power to give it and you can give it and you feel comfortable from the Lord to give it, then give. If you have it, Jesus is saying, just give it. Give if you have and it will be given to you. Always give. That's a great thing. But there are some times where you just don't give. For example, I don't just give to people who walk up to me and ask me to give. I was in the park just a couple of weeks ago in downtown Raleigh. And there's this guy that came up, apparently, you know, a homeless guy or something like that. And he came up to me and they had this Christian gathering down there. And he said, uh, he walks up to me, he says, hey, can you, can you give me three, three bucks? He says, uh, I'm, I'm really hungry. I mean, he had like all the drama and everything. I mean, it was just drama. Oh, I'm really hungry. Can you give me three bucks? I'm really hungry. And I said, oh, you are? I said, well, hey, I tell you what, let's go over to the store right over to the restaurant right there and I'll take you and buy you something to eat. Is that cool? He goes, well, uh, no, no, actually, I was hoping that you'd like, give me, just give me $3. I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry. I said, well, then if you're that hungry, dude, let's go. I'll buy you something to eat. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I, I really, if you just go ahead and give me the three bucks. I mean, he dropped the drama hungry deal. You know, if you just go ahead and give me the three bucks, man, everything will be fine. I'll just go get me something to eat myself. And I said, hello, no, I'm not giving you three bucks. I'll buy you something to eat or nothing. Get to stepping. Oh, well, 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 you could give me the three bucks. I mean, I, and then he says, well, I'll tell you what. Take me over there and buy you something, buy me something to eat, and give me three bucks, too. I said, what are you, out of your mind? Are you not hearing me? Hello, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I know you're going to take my three bucks and go buy some Thunderbird. And you ain't spending my money on drinking. You're not hearing me. No, you don't automatically give just because somebody asked. The guy got mad at me. Can you believe it? He got mad at me. This is my money. He got mad at me and bless you. I said, man, don't make me lay hands on you in here. <sighs> I can believe it. Just because you asked doesn't mean you need to give. What Jesus is saying, here's the heart. Okay, let's get back to the intent. If you have it, it's within your means. And you feel led of the Holy Spirit, which I can tell you, I always feel led when somebody really needs it. I always feel led. Always. If you need it, then hey, if I have it to give, here, take it. Because I know that I should be a blessing. Because I know that God has blessed Rodney. God has given to me so much. How could I not? give. And oh man, has, has the Lord given us his son? He's given us his son. How could we not give to others? So we need to be willing to give. You see, get to the heart of the law. Get to the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. 
You know, when you finish reading the Sermon on the Mount, which is from chapters 5 through chapter 7, you know what? You'll probably feel very overwhelmed. And that's the intent. The intent is to make you feel overwhelmed, like there ain't no way in the world I can do this. Be perfect? Who can be perfect? As the Father is perfect? Jesus said earlier in verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall by no means enter the kingdom of God. Who can be more righteous than the outward righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? No one can. So I feel overwhelmed. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount and the commandments of God and the golden rule is supposed to make you feel overwhelmed. So then you will say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can do it through me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.